What a world you now listening to Talk of Brothers Podcast. Welcome to the Talk of Talk Talk of Brothers Podcast. Podcast. Allow me to reintroduce myself. So, talk of Brothers Podcast. Talk of Brothers. Talk of Brothers. Talk of Brothers Podcast with Smash and Goldie. Goldie and Smash, you guys doing your thing. The mic is contacted. I attract clientele. My brother. Goldie and Smash. Talk of Brothers. That's popping. We ain't worried about nothing. Y'all are now listening to Talk of Brothers. Podcast. What's happening, everybody? It's your boy Godi, and it's your boy Smash coming at you. I want to welcome you guys to another episode of Talker Brothers Podcast. Smash, we're about to do something that we swore that we would not do, but, <laughs> but because it was such a uh, uh, what would you call it? Historic event, I would guess. Historic, momentous, momentous. Um, you know, yeah, it's it's definitely historic, though. Definitely. Okay, so we're gonna talk a little politics. So, for all the listeners and the viewers, you'll get this every four years, <laughs> <laughs> maybe longer, and we'll we'll discuss. We want we want to discuss a little politics because we, you know, this historic event being that we're. We have our first woman and African American uh, vice president, and so we we got a, a good panelist here. We got a good group of, of people here to discuss it. Um, you know, I'm kind of, you know, not really that much on politics. So uh, you know, when you can't do it yourself, bring in the experts, and I think we have the experts to, to take care of that. But you know, how your week been, bro? Man, it's it's been a Monday, I tell you that. Now it's been a, been a um, it's been a long week already. So, but uh, the weekend was good. You know, with the historic, um, you know, historic event that happened. So it's been good, man. What about you? Um, pretty good, man. Pretty good. I'm I'm trying to transition back into what, going to that office. Right. So it's been a. Mm, it's been, it's been tough, bro. It's been tough. So just getting back into the groove of commuting is really the problem. It's really not working. It's just the commute. That's that's a real hang up. Like, why am I doing this? But <laughs> other than that, man, it's been a great week. I'm glad the the election turned out the way that it did. Um, and and hopefully we can see brighter days from this point. You know, so hopefully, yeah. You know. So let's let's go ahead and jump in and bring our guests in here and and uh, get this show started, man. I'm excited to hear their thoughts and their opinions and and hear the bright spots that we can look forward to in, in this next four years in this new administration. Welcome everybody. How you guys doing? One hundred. So we have, like I said, we have Geo from Ballers Union from our brother podcast, um, sports expert, po- political aficionado. Uh, we have Janita Clark. From the Latino Resources, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. And of course, our, our brother from a brother of the pod, Ron Walker. How are you? I'm good. Glad to be on again. Appreciate. It. I thank you guys for taking time out and um, sharing this mo- this moment with us and um, picking up where I, I know that I, my expertise doesn't lie. So I'm relying you guys to to I guess we can celebrate and also congratulate and. I guess we can be optimistic going forward from this point, you know, with the new administration coming in. Um, one first thing I want to do is start off 
um, and give me a little background on yourselves. Uh, Janita, go ahead and give me a little background on who you are and what you are. Sure. I mean, I am... Oh, I, I'm a woman of many places. Uh, I, I grew up in Texas and uh, joined the military from there. I lived in North Carolina. I've lived in Maryland. I've lived in China. I've lived in Japan. Um, kind of had a little bit of everything. Right now I'm in Illinois. Um, a few of the things that I've done, you know, so I was actually um, in the Democratic Party of Evanston, uh, I was in the executive board for, I want to say, five years and deputy committee woman of Evanston for one year. Um, and um, unfortunately, like the the towards the end of my tenure were the the darker days uh, of the Democrats. But now um i am leading the latino resources which is really uh pushing for latinx youth to become our next wave of, of leadership in this country you know to really uh, be able to grow and participate um because they they are also a part of this country and so they you know also should have uh, equal representation okay and Ron, give us a little backstory on yourself. I'm Ron Walker, author, speaker, entrepreneur, um, pastor, proud resident of Clayton County, Georgia. Yes, sir. <laughs> I don't like to call myself a politician, but I'm definitely a social advocate. Ran for office recently. I'll run again soon. But i um, very glad that Georgia turned blue for the first time in a long time. And happy that Clayton County was a big part of doing that. Yes. Yes, it was. So I, I want to, Gio. We want to introduce you, man. Everybody know who you are, bro. So you know, you just, you just here. We, you're a friendly face. <laughs> but I, I want to jump into this thing real quick, um, and because I, I really want to get really some highlights of, of what you guys thought. So we're gonna do this thing called expected, unexpected, good idea. Okay. So with that being thinking of this election. You know what was what did what came out of it that you expected what came out of it that was unexpected and what good ideas did you get from hearing these politicians i mean you know democrat and republic that you think will help us propel us into the into the next four years in this this term um anybody can jump in the start all right um i unexpected biden winning because he flipped a couple mm. red states that have been red states forever and that's how he won. Um, expected if Trump lost, he's gonna act the way he's acting. And um, a good idea. Well, I wasn't really fighting Biden or Trump that much. Um, neither one of them shows any interest to my community or my culture. But a good idea will be Stacey Abram getting a high position in the cabinet. Okay. Man. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I'll go, go next. Ahead. I'll go next. I'll go next. Um, so expected. Um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll echo Geo's on that. Excite. I you know, seeing Donald Trump. You know, we all. I think this is something that we all knew was going to happen. Is you know he's gonna he was gonna continue what he's been doing for his entire life in creating his own 
reality and pushing his own reality, you know, and saying, I mean, it, uh, it wasn't a secret. He said that he was going to declare victory despite what happened, you know, and so he did. So that was expected. Um, what I found was unexpected was, you know, there was no blue wave. There was no red wave. There was an American wave. I mean, the incredible amount of people that came out to vote was insane. And it should, I mean, that that's what it should be like every time, you know, every time people should come out in these numbers. And I, I thought that was um, exhilarating, really. You know, it was exhilarating. It was exciting. Um, and hopefully, again, hopefully we'll, we'll continue to see, you know, these, these types of numbers and engagement uh, moving forward. The good idea was, um, so when they finally announced that, that Joe Biden was, was the uh, uh, president-elect, they showed a picture of uh, Kamala and her husband in the park and i was thinking like you know in that moment i was like that's awesome because that that's america you know what i mean um they're in the park in their sweats and this is where she finds out and they're excited and you know it wasn't this like you know ridiculous staged glamour shot you know, leave it to Beaver kind of moment. It was, you know, it was real. It was genuine. It's, you know, mixed races. It's, you know, different. Um, it, it was, it was just. Uh, I think that's the moment when I, I shed a tear. Like the whole time, I was pretty, pretty collected. And then in that moment, when they showed that picture, I was, you know, and he was like, "Congratulations," you know. I was just like. Yeah, I lost it. I lost it. I was like, that's because that's that's really what we aspire to. You know, that's really what we aspire to see. Exactly. That candid moment, just to catch them in that that exactly. raw, that raw, that raw, raw moment of okay, in that surprise, you got a genuine, not that canned response we always get when somebody wins or loses. I, I definitely enjoyed that as well. Definitely. What about you, Ron? Similar to everybody else, definitely expected um, Mr. Trump to act the way he is. Because that's how he is. That's how he's always been, and that's how he'll always be. He makes a spectacle of everything. I don't think he knows how to do anything else. But I'm very surprised that Georgia turned blue. I've been um, looking for farmland recently. Like last time I was on here, I told you we have to become more self-sustaining and independent. So I'm looking for some farmland. So I've been driving around more rural areas of Georgia, getting outside of Metro Atlanta. And everywhere I go, there's trunk pens, trunk pens, huge signs, like hanging out of windows all over everything. Atlanta is blue. Right. Georgia is red. (laughs) So this, I am completely surprised that the whole state finally turned blue because we know black people are centralized in certain areas of Georgia. We don't really venture out. My wife right now is quiet in the house because my wife is gone. But um, oh, <laughs> it's the truth. She <laughs> is in Forsyth County. Oh wow! And I told her that I had to 
drive around to go find something to eat, I say, you know, you in kind of clan country, so you might want to hunker down when the sun goes down. And it's sad <laughs> that in 2020, we still say that. Right. Whether it's a joke or the truth, there are still parts of this country that are dominated by the clan, And sadly, they've shown great support for the current, well, soon to be ex-president. So I'm very surprised that we turned blue down here. And as far as good ideas, I don't know yet. I'm waiting to see. I know there's been a change of authority, but I'm not sure if there's been a change of power yet. We still have the same type of regime in power, in my opinion. Right. And I hope that um, Kamala will do something different and be able to really show a, a new type of president. But I'm just going to wait and see. Right. About yeah. you, Smash? Uh, I, I expected um, Biden to win. Um, not kind of like he did, but um, I, I was expected. The unexpected, same uh, like Ron was saying, to turn uh, Georgia blue. Because it's been red, like, pretty much all my life, far as I know. So that was I was actually surprised. And speaking of that, I hope you're checking on your wife because she really is in uh, clan capital. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, some of the um, <laughs> the wants uh, is really like one thing. I two things I really want is uh, Trump to lead peacefully. You know, don't cause no mess. Too late. Don't challenge this in the courts. Too late. And, <laughs> and I hope that this. I really want this election to bring back. A little bit of, uh, I won't say, I'll say a little bit of unity because I don't think it's been so ruptured that I don't think we can bring it all the way back even in these four years. So I want them to bring back some unity because right now this Republican Democrat thing, it seemed like the bloods and the crips to me. It's just like you got to choose a gang and you know, you're just really against that side. Right. And um, <laughs> some of the good, uh, good ideas, and this is kind of in the future, but uh, what I'm it's a good idea and what I'm hoping that Joe Biden does do is um you know uh his his uh, trek for making HBCUs and uh college affordable. So that's what um I'm hoping it's a good idea, but I wanted to come through Right. That's good. I guess for me the unexpected would be well expected still expected. The expected for me was I truly expected um Joe Biden and Kamala, Kamala Harris to actually win this election. I I expected one because because it's, it's we're in times of COVID right now, and I knew it was going to be a high it was going to be a high demand for people to just go out and and do the write-in votes and do the mail-in votes, and I knew that was going to stop him from whether we can prove it or not, stop him from being able to cheat to win the election, and and for everybody to have the fortitude to to be able to um, allow the, the votes to continue to be counted. Right, because you know he he wanted them to to come in um, and vote on day of, whereas the Democrats were saying, "Look, protect yourself. You know, mail in your votes. Your votes will be counted." So that was my expected, and I and I expected. Now I didn't. My unexpected was just like Ron and just like Smash. I didn't <laughs> expect Georgia to turn blue. I expected I expected us to have a, a great showing, but I didn't expect it to turn out the way that it did. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the Atlanta metropolitan area. I'm proud of all the sectors where, where it's a high population of, of us, where we got out and vote and made the difference. 
you know, when you watch CNN and all these other news outlets, you can see the rural areas are all red, but you see where that the majority of the big, the biggest population of Atlanta, um, it was blue. And, I, and I'm, I'm really proud of that. I'm excited. And I hope that that translates into us being able to permeate that across the state, across the southern states, because, you know, we look at that map, all the southern states were red, all of them. It was not one that wasn't red. And that's just where it's been through history. So big kudos to Georgia for that. Um, my good idea is the same thing with, with Smash. Um, I definitely want to see him put his money where his mouth is to, to be able to get these HBCUs to where um, may not be on the level as the PWIs, but be able to have the same um, try, time to cachet when, you, when, those, when those kids put that on their resume. Um, I would love to see that go a little lower. You know, I'm big on starting from grassroots. How can a kid get to that HBCU if they can't get a good meal, a good education, um, a, a good, healthy, uh, safe surrounding growing up in wherever they're where coming from? So I would love to see that, you know, trickle down a little bit more on the grassroots level and, and watch that blossom. Um, so, but with that being said, did you feel a big women's power in this election did you do you think women played a big role in winning this election uh, and and how did you think that did you expect georgia to turn out in the numbers that they turn out and i really want to to jump to ron real quick what do you think was the 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 thing that catapulted this 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 to happen in this election honestly as was mentioned this whole covid thing with the convenience, like we've always joked in the past, I believe, you know, if it's raining out, black people aren't going to vote. If, if it's any mild inconvenience, black people generally don't show up at the poll. But with COVID, with, you know what, with Trump period, with everything that we've seen over the past four years, I think people just finally got to the point where enough was enough. It didn't matter if they had to wait in line for four hours. If they didn't get that ballot mailed in, they were going to stand in line. They were going to cast their vote and be heard. Because if he did nothing else, he made it known that our voice is important. Through all his craziness, the fact that Georgia could have been won last time based on the amount of Black people that didn't show up to vote, we made sure that did not happen again this time. And we actually showed up and prove that there's enough of us here to really unite, band together, and get our voices heard. We talked about like Stacey Abrams and what she did because of the wrong that she had to endure. She made sure that that wrong was not going to continue to be um, a constant. And that's what we have to do as a people, I believe. When we see injustice, we have to stand up no matter how it hurts us. We have to stand up and make sure that other people coming behind us are now empowered so those same issues don't continue to be problems. And I'm, I'm grateful for everything she did and every other female, every male, everybody that really got up and got out. But as you said, I think there were a lot of women that pushed everything. Because I know on social media, I always see women posting. And I think a lot of times women will make us get up and do a little bit more. Because <laughs> you know, as guys, we'll, yeah. we'll get a PS5, we'll get an Xbox, we'll get whatever. And we'll spend <laughs> all day playing a video game. 
but let our wife walk in, let a woman walk in, immediately you start putting stuff down. And what, what you say now? No, nah, I ain't been up here all day long. No, I ain't been playing this all day. You know, you just start straightening some stuff up, cleaning something to right. prove that I've been doing something. And that's right. what we did this year with this vote. We had to get up and say, we're, we're a part of this as well. And we're doing something. There's no more game. We're serious. And we got this man at all. Amen to that. Janita? <laughs> Uh, you know, it's it's one of the it's one of those things that you know I I mean obviously I'm I'm elated about you know how how the turnout in Georgia, but I just at the same time you know I have a healthy amount of skepticism because you know these things are fleeting. I mean I was in North Carolina when Barack Obama ran, you know, for the first time, and I mean. I was also there when John Kerry ran. <laughs> so the the difference was stark, you know, like Obama showed up, you know, and, and gave a speech at the, the university. And I mean, you could hear it like miles away. You could like people standing outside. I stood in line to vote for, you know, with my with my three year old daughter, I stood in line to vote I mean, it was it was like four or five hours that we stood there, you know, and you had volunteers coming through and giving people water and, you know, doing stuff like that. But, you know, it was it was insane. The, but then how how did North Carolina turn out this time? You know what I mean? So right. so it, 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 it can be fleeting. And so it is it is really important to really maintain that power of unity at the forefront and that message um, that that you know we do belong here we do have a voice this is this is ours to take you know this is this is ours um because it, it can it can easily be lost you know not to be a w downer sorry geo <laughs> <laughs> yes um I would like to emphasize that the black woman came out and showed up in that area and um, turned, um, end up turning Georgia blue. So they were a big part of it. Like I stated earlier, Stacey Abrams was a big part of it. Um, just basically the turnout, you know what I'm saying? Everybody came out, showed up, and that was, that's what overturned Georgia from being red to blue was um, that area. Obviously, COVID played a factor in it. The mail-in votes definitely helped out a lot. My only issues with that is certain states need to learn how to count faster. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, that was just too long for me. That's My only complaint about mail-in votes is that it took too long for certain states to count. It didn't make no sense to me. Well, you, you gotta kind of give them a pass. We hadn't done this in over 20 plus years. So you're thinking about people who were used to counting these votes, or now you got a whole new group of people that I didn't. So we 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 do actually do take mail-in votes, okay? So there, it was a learning process. I'm more than sure no. for those polls. <laughs> I'm sure, bro. No, I'm no trying pass. to get them a pass. It, no pass. It, Texas it did it. Come on, North Carolina, Nevada. You got half the people, of Texas. But you, well, our voting system is a little antiquated. Yeah, and even the, even the lady, I forgot what the, what the lady's position was in Georgia. She, she even stated herself that this mail-in thing was like 
it was like foreign land for them because they hadn't done it in 20 plus years so they wanted to make sure they took their time to make sure it was done right because they knew how trump and his administration would act if they got it wrong so it was it was better for them to go slow and get it right than try to speed it up to appease the geos you know so it was <laughs> they should have counted early then there were some other issues involved as well um we had had a storm yeah power outages there were water outages there was a lot of other issues going on as well that kind of delayed things um, but, I mean, if they would have had those, you know, old deacons and trustees out there counting, it would have been done the same day. So, oh, yeah. so you saying Jesus delayed the count? <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, God. Hey, apparently, he had to have been involved. Hey. <laughs> what about you, Smash? How do you think uh, the women played a major role in this election? I, I think the women did play a, ma a big role, in it, a major role. Um, I mean, Women saw something that, you know, that they wanted to see. They want to see a woman in power, in charge. And, you know, even a lot of those guys have been wanting women to be in charge. So if, if even if they didn't want to really vote for Biden, they were voting for Kamala. You know what I mean? So um, I think that the minority votes, but definitely the women played a major part in this. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I, we know if, if you are, if you're definitely a fan of the show, and you follow the show, uh, we've been chronicling this for like over a year on how this, this, from the city level to from the state level, on how women have been positioning themselves into into government. And when we always asked that question, we kept asking that question, when will a woman take a leadership role and be able to, to you know, give some, give them a feminine, you know, young ladies that are aspiring to be politicians and get into just get to civic duties to, to have somebody that look like them. Now, I didn't think that it would happen this fast. Like we talked about <laughs> this like last year, right, Smash? And yeah. then all of a sudden it comes to fruition now. So I'm glad that 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 we're getting past that. We got our first black president. Now we got our first, you know, female um, vice president. So now we're we're starting to get these first. That's what we need to start hearing these first. These first start happening. So once we get past that, we can get further on. Now we can get back to the agenda. Um, next topic, I, I really want to really focus on not what Trump did. I really want to focus on now on what what's going to what can we expect going into this new regime. Um, as far as I, I want to start off with taxes because this was a sticky issue. And this was a really sticky issue between us as African-Americans. And I don't I can't speak for the Latino community, but it was a really sticky situation where you had people that that were wealthy, that were giving their votes to Trump because they want to keep their They wanted to keep money in their pocket versus giving it to Biden. And that really didn't sit well with me. So I, I really want to get you guys thoughts on on how do you think that faction will will play out will we be able to bring that type of, of people back to us because now that he's lost now that he's lost and you they, they, these people that we I'm speaking of they do have influence they do have influence over our communities and how do we get them to accept it and move forward go ahead Jill um I, I never I'm never a fan of you overtax a certain group of people. Like, so like, you know, he wants to overtax the rich. He wants to, whatever the number, I don't know the exact number. Let's say he wants to tax the rich 50% and the poor 20%. 
which to me it doesn't seem fair and then everyone else will be like well that is fair because they're rich they got more money to give or whatever it's like so for me being successful i should give out more money for you not being successful i know it sounds harsh but <laughs> that's how i look I'm, I'm all for a flat tax like you just charge everybody whatever the number be 20 percent 25 percent 30 percent just across the board a flat tax regardless of your bracket that's what I'm in favor for, and that's the only way. That's the only way I can see it fair, because it doesn't encourage people to do better. It doesn't encourage people to reach the next plateau. You know, what I'm saying all it does is encourage people to find loopholes and ways not to pay taxes, which you know, a la Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just um. So I mean, the tax loop code like the 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 loopholes in the tax code are why you know accountants get paid so much money you know because that 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 so i mean i don't think that a graduated income tax is a loophole um the the reality is that you know different jobs have different weights right in terms in terms of monetizing them right so you can't say oh well you know um a waitress is going to make the same amount of money as a um as a doctor right um but that doesn't mean that that waitress you know or a server um isn't providing value to the community isn't providing you know and it's not just that server it's also the bartender it's also the artist it's also the you know um the social worker it's also you know all of these people provide very important services that not not just you know keep our communities running but really breathe culture and you know make our lives more vibrant uh and to leave them in the lurch because you know they can't make the same amount of money as as another person providing a different kind of service um i think i i i disagree i don't think it's right um and so what the, what a graduated income tax does is it says that i know that you know if i tax five dollars or sorry five percent out of your one hundred dollars it's going to impact you more than if I, you know, do 5% out of, you know, a million dollars. Because what what are you going to do with that extra 5%? You know, if you pay in taxes that extra 5%, does that mean that you don't take your kids to Disney World? Does that mean that you don't get to pay your electricity bill? Because for a lot of Americans, that 5% is that different between being able to pay your electricity. It is that difference between being able to go to the grocery store and buy vegetables, you know? So to say that, oh, well, you know, they're not successful, therefore they don't rate or they don't merit, I disagree with that. So, so you're for or against? Uh, <laughs> I am for a graduated income tax. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I, I do think, I do think that, 
um, people over a certain threshold should pay a high, higher percentage of their uh, income. How is that fair though? Uh, yeah, because I got to jump on with Geo. I know I've been in positions where I've made you know, a good amount of money and I've gotten tax bills and they're like, you owe us 60, $70,000. And I'm looking at what I made and I'm like, well, I might as well have just worked some regular job instead of taking the risks I did as an entrepreneur to employ other people, to do all the things that I've done. It just, it really seems unfair that I have to give way more money than someone else that made less than I did when they didn't take the risk I did, when they didn't make the sacrifices I do, when they don't put in the same thing I do. It doesn't take the same thing to show up at McDonald's as it does to employ 30 people and make sure that all their households are being fed and then making sure mine eats too. I will say that you don't know what you don't know. Uh, you can't presume to understand what all of these Americans are going through and you can't presume to understand what their living situation is or who they have to support or what, you know, There, I, I know plenty of people who, you know, are supporting their parents, their siblings, also going to college. And so, yeah, I don't think that, you know, someone who, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I do, don't don't think that I'm like completely blind to, to what you're saying because yeah, you did, you know, to be an entrepreneur is risk. I mean, that's, it's the, by definition is risk. And you know, you do have to hustle, you do have to work hard, and, and you put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into it. But that's not to say that other people are not also putting blood, sweat, and tears into what they're doing. And just because they're not making as much as you, they should somehow be penalized for it. No, the penalization is actually the other way. Yeah, we really say but we're that's penalizing the thing, though. You're not being, like, you're, that's what I'm saying. Like, what is it taking from you? Like, what is that? I mean, <laughs> right, right. Um, I mean, obviously there's no perfect solution. There's never a perfect solution. And regardless of which way things slice, there's also, there's always going to be this like, you know, sliver of people who are going to be caught right in the middle, right? That That's the plight of middle America. Uh, that's the plight of, of the middle class. Uh, you know, because we're because we're stuck right in the middle to where we make just enough to get taxed more, right? Um, because our nation has a graduated income tax. That's just you know, um, and so so yeah. I mean, it, it's something that I used to hear my dad complain about all the time. You know, he used to have to like do the mental math to see how much, uh, how many hours he could work overtime before he hit that threshold. You know. So, I mean, I, I do understand, I do understand, but I mean, in the larger scheme of things, there are way more Americans that are hurting than there are people that are prospering. And so- you, Not to hmm. cut you out, but um, it's not like our taxes is helping those Americans that are hurting. They're just taking our money. Yeah. They're just they're taking it and putting yeah. it, putting it like, under the mattress. No, wherever to the golf course, they're taking jets to whatever. They're in court side. It, it don't matter who the president is. They're always at the court side. You know what I'm saying? They're at the Super Bowl. I mean, 
I think that's part of the problem. I think if people could see where their taxes was going or they could have a choice to say, okay, if you're going to tax me, can you put it here? Like put it in these schools, put it in whatever. Like, so that way they have a choice so they can see that their money is worth something. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of split the fence. Like I'm, I'm not really worried about it because I'm not in that tax bracket to be taxed like that. So <laughs> it doesn't really hurt me like that. But if I was, I would feel like Geo and Ron. So yeah. I'm, that's why I, I, I split the fence. When I get up there to make that full 400K or plus, then yeah. I'll be uh, I'll be right here with y'all arguing yeah. the same, same point. Yeah. See, the problem is, like Geo said, when you make a lot of money and you know that you're going to get taxed hard for it, you end up pushing a lot more money to a good CPA that can find a way around it. But that's why you have a lot of super rich people that barely pay anything. Oh, that right. was that was me. That was my but, point. But I, 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 I kind of people invented the loophole. Right. I'm kind of <laughs> on the fence. I understand both sides, but I kind of tend to lean with with Janita a little bit because the margin of error for the common American is slim to none. If they were to get sick or get ill, then they can be they can hit poverty immediately. Whereas uh, where somebody who's rich in that 400k plus range, your margin of error is is, is a less, it's more cushiony for you. You'd be surprised. So, so but but oh, like, like well, we know how it goes. The rich you are, the more the more you have, the more you spend. More you spend, yeah. So well, it, not always that. I know a lot of people that make a lot of money, but they have a lot at stake as well. Mm-hmm. So like when COVID hit, I had a lot of people that I know that went belly up. They lost whole businesses because they employ so many people. They have so many expenses that that 400,000 feels like 30 or 40,000. Right. But that but all Ron, that you have going out. But Ron, so that, ima- that, imagine how much, how that 30,000 felt. Right. It trickled oh, down. Yes, even know. though, even though that business went out of business, that it, it was a trickle down effect. Mm-hmm. So when he lost his business, employees lost their jobs. Correct. And, there that he he still had i'm more than sure he had something to fall on whereas that cashier or that barista that nothing. that check was nothing like they're, they're, homeless. they're homeless there has nothing there was nothing to fall back on to so it's a sticky situation there's something that really needs to be addressed and it's not just about taxation you know it, we have to look at it in, in a bigger perspective um going forward and i hope that's something that they look at not just because Democrats usually depend upon taxation. They think everything's, you know, just like just like corporations. The first thing they decide to fire, you need to save some money. Let's start firing people. That's the first thing. Whether you can look at buying all these, these different coffees and coffee cups and tissue, you know, looking, trying to really work at trying to find a solution versus the obvious. And the obvious is to just, just to tax versus just like corporations, just start laying people off to save a big chunk of money. So, I mean, I, I definitely, I'm, I love the kind, I love the, the ideas and, and the thoughts for both, and I, I feel for both. I definitely do. Because I, you know, I aspire to be in that four hundred thousand range, and I would aspire. <laughs> I will pay that tax graciously to have a four hundred thousand dollar check clear at the end of the year. No problem. <laughs> you're not gonna get a four hundred thousand dollar check at you all. Make you gonna bring home less money you bring in now. Yeah. Well, no, I won't. <laughs> Let's get that understood. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I understand both sides. Like I yeah. said, I've been on both sides. So it makes perfect sense. I've been in, I've been that guy working as a supervisor, making 20 something thousand dollars a year, but working 50 hours a week. Yeah. So I know what it feels like when you miss one check 
and now how it can change your life tremendously. But the taxation part is where I disagree because it's almost like you're being penalized for being for making more money. I won't say being more successful, but you're being penalized for making more money. I just feel like we need to kind of change how we're utilizing those tax dollars. If you look, I have stacks of, of books, budgets from different cities and different states. And if you go through there, you'll see $40 million being spent here on a police department, $60 million being spent where, you know, and you break it down. And a lot of that money never makes it back to the people. That's why I was running. That's why I run. That's why I'm a community advocate, because I see where the money goes and it doesn't make it back to the community. So I, I think um, I think that, you know, both, both you and uh, Ron and Smash made a really, really great point. And I think that this has really been a problem. I mean, that's why the United States was created. Right. Taxation without representation. And, you know, there has been, you know, the, the idea of, of participatory budgeting. I know in, here in Chicago, it's, um, you know, it, it's it's not uncommon for um, for the, the constituents to know and understand. And in some in some cases, actually do the due diligence themselves to say, you know, because this is this is our discretionary fund. This is what we can spend you know, what is more important to us right now? Is it paving this road? Is it making, you know, putting uh, emergency lights around the school? Is it, you know, what what is it that we can do? Because, you know, similar, similar to how Ron was talking about how his paycheck kind of like, you're like, oh, it sounded so big and now it's gone. It's, it's the same way. <laughs> it's the same way with, uh, you know, with, uh, um, with the government budget. You know, you're like, okay, you know, like we, it sounds like a big number, but then when you break it up and you're looking at all of the different services that you have to provide to the number of people that you have to provide it to, you know, the, the electricity bill that you have to pay for all of the government buildings, the upkeep, all of this stuff. I mean, I, um, you know, the, the Thompson Center here has been in disrepair for who knows how long you know what i mean and there it's 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 16 floors of government workers that that or not now but, but you know because it's COVID, they're not allowed in but you know um yeah so so i can definitely understand that and i mean it, it is it's 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 civic engagement getting people encouraging them you know because this is all public information all of it, public information. You can go to the website and you can see the budget. You can see the different light items. And if, and if you want to understand where this money is going or how it's happening, you can easily call, you know, and and ask and be like, what is this? Like, help me understand what this is. And you say that, I mean, and, and, and you're educating me on, on some of the stuff too. And I thank you guys for doing this. Um, you speak of those line items is that just on a state level or can you look at you, you can't look at line items on the federal level we can't see where every single dollar is going whether it's going to to the actual states what's being funded states where we hear when at one point in time if, if this didn't happen we're gonna we're gonna stop the president said we're not gonna give you these funded for your state funding so i think that's the biggest problem i think the local level i think like Ron says, he can see it. I can make a difference. You can see it. You can make a difference. 
but it's more on this national level or federal level that's where i think uh, fraud waste and abuse is happening the most versus just on the state and local level it happens there but it's kind of happened like close to nowhere right right so it's kind of where do we go from here with it so um i don't think there's i don't think there's a, a true answer i'm really interested to hear more about geos with this flat tax thing i i, I want to see how that flat tax thing will benefit the rich and the poor well benefit the rich and the poor because basically like if you make more money you seem like you're getting punished for making more money and uh so the flat taxes everybody gets charged the same percentage so it's not like if you're in this tax bracket you get charged five percent but if you're in this tax bracket you get charged like 45 percent. and then that that doesn't make that's not fair there's no way you can say that's fair it's like it doesn't matter you're a millionaire or billionaire you know saying just because i make more money doesn't mean and and like you said the money is not going back to now if the money was going back to the community that's different Mm -hmm. if you could say like hey since we charge you 45 percent we're going to break down where we send your money to. Right. They're saying like, at least like here, all oh, since you VIP, you spent X amount of money or we charge you X amount of percentage. Here's a breakdown. They don't, they don't do none of that. You know what I'm saying? And then on, on top of that, even at the local level or Chicago's just a bad example because every governor in there is known for stealing the money. Gio, um, you never want to go home. Oh, pessimist. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Never want to no, But home. like, for example, is like, the, the the school system, they get X amount of money for each kid, right? But yet the inner city schools have more kids than, let's say, the so-called nice areas. But yet the nice area gets all the money, and the inner city school gets no money. What they get is the when the when the nice area done with their um, drums or they're done with their computers, instead of throwing away, they just give them to the inner city kids. Right. And and that's a go ahead, Smash. Go ahead. I know you had something to say. No, I was just gonna be funny and just say like they've been teaching us this all our lives ever since we were little. I mean, you got Monopoly, you got Marvin Gardens, Pennsylvania Park Place. Hey, you get that card, you get hit with those taxes. You got to pay so like a hundred dollars per house or hotel. Like we, so that I mean, get taxed like that. They right. they've been teaching us this all our life. They were preparing us. Oh, that's tax. That's and, different. And that's yeah. And that and that's something that I think that they really need to look at versus just a just just a, a cookie cutter forty nine percent fifty percent. I think if you go out and buy that big humongous plane, then you a luxury tax. Luxury it should be yeah. luxury tax. Yeah, should I'm be okay a, with that. Be yeah, that's different. That's, that's yeah. different, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Strictly yeah. speaking, on income tax. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. I, I, I'm kind of like both places. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, moving on, uh, let's get into more of the, the Biden policies, um, things that you, what made you, like, for me, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't trust either one of them, to be honest with you. I'm just like taking a lesser of two evils. Um, mm-hmm. So but what, what part of his agenda and his policies that his promises made you feel that okay this is the right move for me to make he wasn't trump that okay that's honest <laughs> that's honest that's for me that's right. honest Kill the deal <laughs> what about you to do uh you know it, it's um he you know he wasn't my first choice and his um his agenda that he put forth is extremely lofty um and 
and it's one of those things that right now in this particular moment, I really do think that what the United States needed more than anything else is to be brought back to center, you know, and, and that's that's really where he is. He's a centrist, you know, and, and I think that that, you know, that's what the country needed to kind of be brought back to the center um, because, you know, on, on both sides, on both sides, you know, you saw it. You know, with so, so you're saying, so you're basically saying that he was the re. So he's actually Biden's actually the rebounding. He's not yeah. really the person. He's not the really the girl that I really wanted. It's just the right. girl that I'm going to be with right now until I figure out what I really want. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For layman's terms, okay. <laughs> That's exactly what he is—the rebound. What about you, Gio? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know I don't like Biden. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, saying I still got PTSD um, from the whole, you know, saying Trump funded them, the Biden wrote the bill, and uh, uh, Clinton enforced it. You know, saying and it scarred my childhood. Yes, <laughs> yes, so, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I didn't vote for neither one of those guys. Um, but I didn't do that. Yeah, I was gonna vote for the birthday party, but. It was not on my ballot. So. The birthday party. <laughs> Smash. What about you, bro? What made you want to go the way that you went in this election? Um, kind of like you said earlier, it was the lesser of two evils. But with uh Biden, I'm not gonna say I like it, but at least he had a plan with the lift every voice. I gotta see action first. So I'm not saying that that plan is perfect, but if he gets a team together that can help us with that, that'd be cool. And then I like, too, that he plans, you know, like every politician has a plan, um, but he plans to bring back affordable health care. And I, I think that's big for our senior citizens. As I get up in age, you know, I'm like 30 now. As I get up in age, <laughs> but as I get up in age, um, you know what I'm saying? Like I saw so many people when the affordable health care was taken that a lot of older people just cried because they didn't know where they were going to get their, you know, their um, Medicare and health from. And now with COVID, we don't even have enough, um, you know, uh, machines to help out with people. We don't have enough PPE for our healthcare workers. So if they can bring that back and he did promise to get some more PPE for our healthcare worker, just those little things that I could find because Trump, Trump is going to do what he wants to do. You know what I'm saying? And that, you know, he just he showed it. If he don't like you, he treated like the apprentice. You were fired. And he moved on. He he doing that right now. I couldn't believe the people you firing right now just this week. Go ahead, Rod. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth. I'm not a big fan of Biden. I'll be honest. Um, I was actually more in tune with Bernie. Um, I mm. liked some of the stuff he was saying. I liked some of this stuff. So it kind of hurt me when he withdrew. Right. But I understood why. So Biden was a strong candidate. To me, I'm waiting. I don't care about promises. I hear people make promises every day. I really want to see what he's actually going to do. Because like I said, I know there's a change of authority, but to me, it still seems like the power structure is old white man. Right. right. So this is another old white man in power. I don't know what he's going to do. They made promises to slaves. I mean, and then they got here and it was a different story. You know, there's always been promises. We're going to do this. And we're going to do that. But a lot of times, promises do nothing. It's the pressure that truly causes change to happen. And, and, I'll, and I'll say this, and, and 
and it's on wax. I, I'm going to give the orange guy a little credit here, okay? For one thing, when he wanted something, and rather the Senate or the Congress or, or the powers, the, you know, the the powers that be didn't allow him to have it, he found yeah. every resource, every law, every loophole to get what he needed to get done to circumvent the system, the, the checks and balances that we have to govern this type of thing. So if if he has the if he if he can use his resources for bad, then he, you know Biden and Kamala need to come out and use those same type of resources and energy for good. Um, because he he found loopholes that like if, if people were saying this hasn't been used in, in over a hundred years, and he's using it, you know, for when he wanted to get the wall built, you know. So he found ways to circumvent the system, and I think if they go into it, I really don't want to hear this time as much as I loved Obama. We always gave Obama the escape clause of he just didn't have the people backing him to get his agenda across. When then now that I see, I see Trump getting office, and he didn't care if he was a one man band. He was going to make it happen if that's something that he truly wanted to happen. So I hope that they can, you know, although it was bad that they can take some of these type of ideas and he's you know think outside the box a little bit and try to do this and and for me it's more about okay kamala you're there now you're in office another thing i had with obama was you know my agenda you, you know what ails me you know what ails my community education you know poverty crime those things ails my community and you're from a part of that community so put that for put for that agenda you think about clayton county what made it what made you get to where you are it wasn't it wasn't predominantly white folks that got you there it was predominantly black folks so have our if they can have our interest and succeed within the time frames of this four years because it's a lot of mess they got to clean, clean up before they even get to the to their own agenda <laughs> so but if, if they can physically prison reform police reform you know just free meals for kids period you know different things that we know that ails our community Try to eradicate redlining. You know, spread the spread the tax. What Gio spoke about, spread the taxation. You know, property taxes that fund schools and these type of things. Spread that that wealth across the board. Just put it all in one pool and, and, and spread it across all all across the board. Those are type of things. That if they can get those type of things going, and we we you know I'm asking for a lot, but if they're trained of thought and direction is that way, I think you know I think we people that look like us would be would. would We'll be appreciative, appreciative of, of of what they're trying to do in their efforts. So you sounded like you read my book. Um, <laughs> I listened to it, brother. I listened to it. You got that, huh? <laughs> I appreciate that. Right, brother. We there's some things that have been passed down from generation to generation that we have to crush. Right. Redlining is one of them. Those old racist practices that are still in play today, we have to get rid of. And it's, it's, and it's hit and it's like they're, they're put they're, it's the same thing but they just changed the name and, and we have to look at it and, and eradicate these things and I think you know this is, this is where those tax dollars come in <laughs> this is where those tax dollars come in yeah. you know and, you know so for for example you know uh, here in Illinois there is a you know program for you know, minority business owners to be able to come and get funding to be able to get passed. You know, so a great example is uh, cannabis. You know, 
cannabis, because it was illegal, because it was so risky, because it was so high stakes, you literally had to have millions of dollars liquid to be able to play, right? And so, I mean, I know you guys are gonna be shocked by this, but turns out that only white men have that kind of money. <laughs> and so it was only white men really? that had these cannabis businesses and are making millions of dollars off of these businesses. And, you know, so that, that was really, um, a really big sticking point to say like, no, we can't, you know, we can't have it this way. We need to be able to allow for um, minorities to be able to come into this space and also be able to benefit from this space because we do have, I mean, we have a load of minorities who can make a wicked brownie. So they should be able to profit from said brownie without getting arrested and locked up for life. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's crazy. It's insane. Yeah. And so, yeah, so this is, this is where, you know, this is, this is where those tax dollars come in because, you know, that, that money that those, those small business owners are being given, that that's taxpayer money. And so that leads me into my next question. And and this has always happened throughout throughout history. When we had the crisis in 88, the home's housing crisis, they bailed out the banks. When the airline industry had their crisis, we bailed out the help we bailed out the, you know, the auto industry. We bailed out the airlines. Big business seems government seems to bail out big business. Now we're in this COVID era. Right. And we're in this COVID era right now. And me and Gio and I went back and forth on this for about two hours on Saturday uh, talking about this. And my stance on it is I could care less if your business dies. I could really care less if your business dies. And here's why. Um, if we talked about it, business trickles down. So if you have a pool of money that can su support your business, it's going to support me and it goes down. So if your business, if whatever we're going through, socially, economically, you know, physically, health-wise, if your business has to perish, it has to perish. And something else will blossom from it, right? It's like she spoke of marijuana. It was illegal, you know, don't say no to drugs in the 80s. But now here's this change of guard. And now it's not even, it's not taboo anymore. And now they're making all these profits from it. And now they're giving us, again, little trinkets of it now okay now we got the we cornered the market now you can get in where you fit in you know um where do you guys feel on on that aspect of how this administration can kind of level this playing field a little bit for business and and the normal and the, and the, the normal american employee um you know my stance is to keep it is just open up america that's my stance on it because if you're forcing people to shut down, then, you know, my, you get obligated to pay for that. So if they're willing to take the risk and if their business failed, after, you know, say while staying open and it is what it is. But if you force them to shut down their business for X amount of weeks, months or whatever, for whatever reason, without hard data, data saying that this is going to work and this is going to curve it because. It doesn't matter if we did everything right. It doesn't matter if we had an actual procedure that would prevent it or sold on COVID. Americans gonna do what Americans do and they do whatever the hell they want. So at this point, you just might as well just let them 
hey, you want to open your business? Go ahead. You know what I'm saying? You want to you want to go out there? You know what I'm saying? Go ahead. Um, it seems to be COVID's only convenient when they want it to be convenient. Like when Biden won, so many people rushed the street. You know what I'm saying? Notre Dame beat um, Clemson. You're saying all of a sudden COVID doesn't exist. They were wearing their masks. Thank you. First Gino of all, don't don't first, first of all, right here. the mask doesn't work. Like oh, this is this these are two two examples why the mask it's not, doesn't it's work. It's not foolproof. Nobody ever said it was foolproof. No, it doesn't work at they all. They were just saying don't be breathing in other people's faces. That's what they were saying. And if you are like in a space where you're like all up on somebody, you know, have have a barrier. First you know, all, condoms are not a hundred percent. Geo condoms are no, not a hundred percent. The mask don't work but, at all. You know, it helps a lot. No, yeah, the mask don't work. No, the mask don't work at you, all. You're the mask, the here. No, the mask don't work <laughs> at all. For the fact is, like, you go to a restaurant, you got to wear your mask. If you go to the restroom in that restaurant, you got to wear your mask. But if you're sitting down at the table, all of a sudden, COVID is not going to attack you. You know, saying, and the worst place to have a mask on is in an airplane. You're in the average flight is like three hours. You gotta wear a mask, right? But while you're on there, you can take your mask off, whatever. It doesn't matter. If one person has COVID on that plane, everybody has COVID because they recycle the air. It's not like they're putting some kind of filter in there that's gonna kill COVID on contact. So it's like certain situations, the mask is just an annoyance, serves no I purpose. I think you were supposed to. I thought I'm pretty sure that they said that you're supposed to keep your mask on the whole time. No, so nobody keeps their mask on. No one does. No one keeps <laughs> you're it. Supposed but, to. But How are you going to keep your mask on the whole time if they're giving you food and drinks? But again, Gio, but again, Gio, you got to understand, you chose to take that flight. You could easily yeah, got yeah. in your car and drove. So if yeah. you got COVID because of that, you chose to take that flight. No, I'm you saying know, I shouldn't wear my mask on the flight because it's pointless. <laughs> That's what <laughs> I'm arguing. You, you, you know what? Yeah, I took the risk. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I agree with him on some aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> as far as the business portion, I'm a very laissez-faire type of individual when it comes to government and their hands-on business. I feel like government should stay out of business affairs. But as he said, if you're going to tell me I cannot conduct business, then you may need to help out a little bit. I know I suffered tremendously this year because of shutdowns, like many people did, many entrepreneurs. If I cannot have events, if I cannot go forward with services, church, whatever the case may be, you are limiting our income. You're limiting, you're basically cutting off all the income we had. So now we can't afford to pay our employees. We can't afford to pay for anything. Um, We still have expenses. Like a lot of people, you have rent, you have mortgage, you have all this stuff. And then as a business, you also have rent. You have other things that you have to pay. If you tell me I cannot conduct business for whatever reason, help me out. Y'all know where that that bailout money comes from, right? Taxes. Taxes. You got to do it, you know? That's that's the difference, though. That's what I look at. As a business person, you're taking a lot of my money, but then when it comes down to me needing it, I can't access it. So when we got all this bailout and stimulus money, if you look at where that stimulus money went, it went to a lot of big businesses. I I agree with you. I agree with you there. And that that was... disgusting there's no other word for it it was absolutely disgusting and it's a failure of the administration right. exactly it should have went to small business because you, I mean, you had really you had 
you had executives that were through the COVID era that were that were getting retirement, that were getting pensions and and mm. getting bonuses, bonuses to retire during a COVID during the era where you have people that went for that same company that was getting laid off. So mm. that's why I draw. That's why I have, I, for me, there's a red line for me with these big corporations. If you cannot sustain, you need to perish because what's going to happen is there will be somebody with a great idea. There will be somebody with a, with a with a better innovation to actually sustain to pick up that 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 business that you lost. So, Ron, where where do you stand on this big business thing? How do you think this administration can can give some kind of balance to this? Honestly, I really don't think, and I hope I'm wrong. I don't think much is going to change because we understand this is a capitalistic society. We understand how important big business is to America. If you look at the richest of the riches and compare their wealth to the government budgets and the amount of money the governments have, a lot of these people have the same amount of money. Look at the Rothschilds. Look at some of these wealthy families. They are the ones that are really running this country. It's not yeah. the person that we elect. It's the people with the money. So they're not going to really change big business too much. They can't. So that's why I was saying earlier, a lot of our tax dollars, they don't come back to people like us. They don't come back to the small businessman. They don't come back to the minority. They'll put a few minority funded programs together, but still cherry pick who gets those things as well. And that's what I've seen happening across this country. But as we were speaking earlier, you have a lot of businesses that get tax breaks to come in the cities because they see how they benefit those cities. It does hurt some people. But then you have to look at industries that went under like the car industry and look what happened to Detroit. Look what happens to cities that lose those big industries and big businesses. They get decimated. The Where I'm from, Thomaston, Georgia, we were really big on textiles. The mills ran it, ran that whole city. Everybody worked at the mills. When the mills closed, it's, it became a ghost town. Nobody got houses back. They're just empty now. And then they become crack houses because people that sell drugs and do drugs just end up taking them over. And the, the local government does nothing to truly come in and clean those places up. Right. So they end up hurting our community even more. So that's why I was kind of asking those questions because what I've seen when big businesses really do fail, it really has a great impact on us. And then when we don't have a government that comes to, to help heal. So that is one thing that I heard Biden say, it's time for us to heal. And I'm all the way with that. We've been hurt so much these last four years. We've been hurt longer than that, but we've had so much destruction take place that we really have to heal as a nation. We see that there's still 50% of this country that are still Trump supporters. So it's not like racism is dying. It's not like it's going anywhere, but we might push it back into that corner long enough to allow some type of healing to take place and allow some issues to come out without people yelling at one another, but to actually have a conversation. With you. That's what I'm hoping to see. But as far as big business, I, I mean, so that's, I mean, you, you made all of the points against big business. And I mean, the, the, one of the, the core tenets of finance is diversification. If you put all your eggs in one basket, and it gets too hot and those eggs pop, then you're left with nothing, you know, you, you, and so, so when, you know, 
the last every time we've had giants, corporate giants, um, the the you know our economy falls, and that's what happened. And you know that's why they they had to bail out the banks because if the banks went under, like legit went under, we would be back in the depression, like the Great Depression. Yeah, and but. So- but I don't mean to cut you off, but you know, mm-hmm. and, and I worked during that crisis. I worked in that industry, and 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 the rampant fraud that that mm-hmm. I witnessed in this industry, it was like that was part of Obama. If we let you in this door, you gotta kind of uh, get us out this mess. You know what I'm saying? So again, it helped them. Now he bailed out the banks. Then he bailed out the auto industry, but Detroit still got decimated, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it still went under. But the Ford Motor Company, GMC, all these Christ, all these people walked away with bags full of money. But the people that actually made those companies go and grow, they still got decimated. Yep. So those are the things that 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 I want to see that that really for us, like you say, you want the community, you want us to heal. Then where does the healing start? Does it start from the top? Or does it really start from the bottom, and that, and and that's where, where where do we where does he start from, Gio? For me, for me to turn, for me to be a, a supporter, <laughs> I need a real, not a fake like you know the Obamacare was just a fake healthcare plan to keep people quiet. I need a real prison reform. I need a real prison reform. You wrote the crime bill, so you got so you know how to write uh, uh, prison reform, and you got. Vice President Harris, you're saying she got a lot of education in the right. law. So, so that's their wheelhouse. Yeah, that's that's your expertise. <laughs> so I want to hear no excuses. Right. I just want a real prison reform. Like Oregon passed something about like small amounts of any type of drug is not a criminal offense or whatever and whatnot. So does that mean everybody that's locked up right now for heroin, weed, cocaine, whatever, do they automatically be released? So did that still pass in Oregon? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oregon went crazy. They're just like, hey, <laughs> what you want to do? Um, we're getting long in this hour. I do want to touch on one th- on one more thing. I do want each one of us to give three things that you you would you want to see um, come out of this administration. And I'll start with you, Jim. So out of this administration, I mean, obviously, you know, echoing Ron healing we absolutely need to heal this nation um the 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 things that transpired over the past four years are insane you know we're not just talking about your typical high level like oh immigration and tax it was across the board like they came in and they threw the books away and they're like we're just gonna make up what we want to make up and do whatever we want um and so they i mean they have they have a a long road ahead of them for sure and i'm and i do appreciate that off the bat you know he's like you know what i'm your president-elect and I got my people together and the committees are rolling. We have our experts. We're like all of the, you know, everything's gonna be pre-written. And as soon as, you know, uh, January 20 hits, like they're getting signed, they're getting signed, <laughs> you know? Um, so so I'm, I'm hoping that, that, you know, they're able to stay on that path and not get distracted 
not get distracted by all of this legal uh, nonsense that that Trump is trying to pull right now. Um, you know, another thing, another one of my my high hopes is that they really allow Kamala Harris to uh, take a distinct role in the administration to be a leader of, you know, different, you know, like you said, like you guys said, you know, uh, talking about reform, let her lead it, you know, don't, don't undercut her. Don't be like, oh, well, Mitch McConnell came like, wow, wow, wang to me. So we got to like, you know, you got to take a step back, Kamala. No, no, you know, no, let her roll with tired. it. Um, did I say two things or three things? That was two. That was two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those are they're 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 big ones, and I um, I mean, I think I don't think I need a third one. I think just with those two, I I think I, I that would really pave the way to a much better tomorrow. Okay, but before we move on, because you're a woman on the panel, what would you like to see for women going forward? Because she is a vice president, she knows our plight as not being just as as a minority but also as a woman what would you like to see her accomplish as, as a woman moving forward i think a lot of the things she's already been able to accomplish you know she she's been able to get people talking about her as a human being she's been able to get people to talk about her because of her you know her accomplishments She's been able to get people to talk about her, about her potential and what she can do in the future, as opposed to every other woman. You know, you have Sarah Palin in a bikini holding a M16 or whatever. And then, you know, Hillary Clinton, that's all they ever talked about was like her hair and it was in her boy. The lawyer that was practicing law that was trying to get health, a good health care plan uh, put through and all they could talk about was how snaggy she was and how like this and that, whatever. So I think just already in the way that she's been able to present herself and been able to have everyone in the country talking about her as a person, as an equal, I mean, that's, that's nuts. It's the first time I've seen it in my lifetime. Awesome. Ron, what's your three things? Um, I would say healing, unity, and progress. I um, definitely want to see some progress with our prison system because even our constitution states that it's slavery. Um, people were set free except for criminals. So now if you are in prison, you can legally be enslaved essentially and made to work for nearly free. So we need some type of prison, prison reform because we know our prisons are full of blacks and browns, and that's who they're using to make a lot of things now for companies that are making millions and billions of dollars. They're using free labor. Smash, what's your three things, my brother? Um, pretty much what they're saying, the, the unity, uh, you got we gotta bring that back. As I said earlier, the affordable healthcare and there's one thing that that I would like to see him do, and this may be a personal thing, but I would like to see more support for our veterans. I mean, you take take kids from cornfields, from urban cities, if you want to use the word urban, and then you place them in these uh, countries to go fight our wars. But then when they come back, there's no support for them. They 
it, they struggle to get jobs and stuff like that. So just a little bit more support because we rely on our military for a lot of things, a lot of things that people don't even know that the military is doing. So I would like to see more support for our um, for our veterans because they make up a large population of the homeless environment. Geo. I, I want to see a flat tax. <laughs> it's never going to happen, I know. No, it's not. <laughs> we definitely put that in the wish column. <laughs> right. Definitely want to see a prison reform. Um, my third thing was the one thing that Trump did good was, was making America self-sufficient, and i like to see Biden administration expand on that. Smash. Any closing words, my brother, before we get up out of here? Yeah, uh, thanks everybody for coming on and being a part of this, man. And um, like everybody know I write stuff down, but uh, one thing, since the new vice president, female, the first uh, female vice president, I wanted to use one of her quotes because it's it's something that we all kind of said that we wanted to see here. And Mala said, our unity is our strength and diversity is our power. So I I like that because if we all come together as a unite, then that diversity, that diversity that we all bring will make America really great again. I, I feel like I did that. Oh, really? You can't <laughs> let that die, I smash. You had to keep that alive. <laughs> <laughs> I hope decent again. Decent, right? <laughs> Livable, <laughs> tolerable. tolerable. <laughs> so I want to thank everybody for coming for coming on the, on the panel and thank you guys for giving your point of views. If, if you want to follow Ron, where can they find you, brother? Find me at author Ron Walker on pretty much every social media platform. Definitely. And he has books at Amazon. Audible yeah, books too. My books. <laughs> Black in America. That's right. Black in America. Janita, uh, where can the people find you? Uh, I try not to do social media as much as possible because I give corporate America enough of my money. So just give me the address. <laughs> just give me the address. They come knock on your door. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, so latinoresources.com is, or actually no, it's .org. Sorry. It's, it's where, what the organization that you can find. Awesome. Geo. Yep, you know where you can find me at, Baller Junior. Saying representing all ballers in the world. Um, close remarks. I actually like my racism straight forward, so I knew how, I guess the military background of me prefers that so I can know who my enemies are and know how to move. On that note, with that being said, much love, and we out. Peace. We have returned to claim the pyramid. Partying on the mothership. I am the mothership connection. Get down in 3D.